The Gators may have been observing the bye week in week eight, but they got a massive victory on Saturday when defensive lineman LJ McCray from Mainland announced his commitment to the University of Florida. They beat out in-state rivals Florida State and Miami, SEC rival Georgia, another conference foe in Auburn, who are all in on McCray's services, but ultimately he chose the Gators. Today, I'm here to speak about all that and more on Carol's Cadence. We're officially back from the bye week, and I am refreshed and ready to rock. We got some banging content rolling out over the next week with a slight change to the regularly scheduled programming. Moving forward, I told you some changes were coming when I said I wasn't going to be doing shows during the bye week in my community note. Uh, and those changes are that shows will now be released on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So that's right. Two days in a row, you get to see my beautiful face on your tablet, phone, TV screen, computer screen, whatever, and enjoy the content that I am producing. So just so you don't forget, so you don't have to really kind of compartmentalize and say, all right, Thursdays are now his days for predictions and previews. Go ahead and click that notification bell so you just know when I post. If you're not subscribed, why aren't you? Go ahead and do that. Uh, like this video and drop a comment with one word. I want just one word comments uh, to describe Florida's recruit recruiting efforts in the 2024 cycle while you're at it. Because why not? Because that's fun, right? Should be. But time to stand on business. It's, it's time to get into the absolute ball player that Florida was able to acquire on Saturday. And after months of hot pursuit, LJ McCray is a Gator. And in, in anticipation for his arrival on campus, I want to break down what he does well, some areas for growth, and really just what makes him a five-star caliber talent that he is, that he has been recently billed as, especially by 247 Sports on Carol's Cadence. I'm Brandon Carroll, by the way, if you guys haven't realized that. And I'm ready to rock. The energy is high. The energy is really high. So let me set the stage before we get into breaking down the specimen. All right, here's a guy who had his name placed atop the Gators' defensive end board for a while. The Florida staff sat down at the drawing board when the class turned over from 2023 to 2024 in February, and Mr. Billy Napier looked at his room full of position coaches, positional assistants, and 972 staffers and said, all right, boys, who we got at defensive end? And a shy soul raised his hand and said, well, coach, I think this LJ McCray guy is pretty freaking good. Dang right he is. To the top of the board he goes, and that's where he stayed. And I'm not sure if that was if he was the number one option going into the summer, but by the time the summer arrived, that was the case. He was a top, and it was not changing. Uh, as early as May, he was a top player at this position for Florida. And per my sources in Athens, he occupied the same spot on Georgia's list, which makes me believe that that's the case at Florida State, Auburn, Miami, really anywhere you want to put a finger on LJ McCray was considered highly. And I don't know if y'all have paid attention to the defense alignment or ends in this cycle, but there are some really talented ones. So that speaks volumes for what Florida's getting in McCray with the two time reigning national champions saying this guy was the best of the bunch. So that should mean something right off the bat. And it should tell you that this guy's a ball player, man. He is a hooper, obviously not basketball. He hoops on the football field Hooping is just a term I use for dudes. If a guy's a dude, if a guy's a dog, I know you don't like that. So y'all don't like that term. If a guy's a, in this case, a gator, um, I, I'm going to say he hoops. He can hoop. Freaking Graham Mertz hooped against South Carolina. Ricky Pearsall hooped against South Carolina. So that's that's kind of the terminology I will use there. But McCray's six foot six, 270 pounds, uh, near 80 inch wingspan the last time he was measured 
Um, he could honestly get close to around 300 pounds if they really wanted him to, if they wanted to move him inside. But I think realistically, he'll bode best playing outside around that 280, 285 mark and working primarily as a defensive end in Austin Armstrong's multiple front scheme. Because if you've watched this team this year, they like to play with light boxes and play like this cover three look in base. And with a guy like McCray performing on the end, being able to kind of crash down and stop the run gives them the ability to do that at a higher rate than, you know, they're even able to right now. Cause it looks like they're, that's what they want to do, whether it's working or not. If you watch the South Carolina game, there were times where they were still kind of playing light box and going cover three and it wasn't working, but that's, that's the, the formula. That's, that's how they've had success throughout the year. So there really wasn't much in-game changing going on. You get a guy like LJ McCray in there to be an end where he's, you know, kind of setting the edge and also crashing down on the run that gives them the ability to do that at a more consistent rate. But he's as versatile as they come. So if they want to move him inside, they can. He's aligned everywhere from the zero tech where he goes head up on the center uh, at the prep level. And then he'll get out there and go stand up edge rusher on you as well. And he's been vastly effective everywhere he's been. Um, And, you know, like I said earlier, or like I've kind of alluded to, where he wins, where he's peak right now is as a run stopper in terms of, what he's doing at the moment, what that makes him so highly touted is his ability to crash down and stop the run. And I think he's really started to pair that with how he's come on as a pass rusher, particularly through his first six games in his senior season. So initially uh, I was going to show you all film to back this up. However, uh, my computer does not want to do that. It, it does not want to show you what's going on. And I, uh, don't have much more time to kind of sit here and let it load, you know, for the three minutes in between plays. So I'm just going to kind of talk to y'all uh, about what he does well um, in a, you know, not as showing sense, but if I'll, I'll include the the tape in the clip n- kind of numbers in the description below. Um, but he has all the traits you want in a defensive end. Like I said, strong, long, nimble, and mean. Uh, comes as a pass rusher uh, at 12 seconds in his senior tape. Uh, he gets a tip pass and a forced fumble on the same play. Really shows his ability to work up field, set the edge, understands what his job is as an edge rusher, as a, you know, kind of being that F end at the next level. He understands what he needs to do there. And there's a reason why he has 36 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, seven sacks, one forced fumble, and one pass breakup as a senior this season through six games. All right. He is. Um, not only disruptive because of his physical intangibles, but he's also a heady football player. Uh, he understands in, in that play at 12 seconds, he has the ability to see that they, you know, his opponent went five wide. And with going five wide, there's not, you know, the fear of a draw, at least for a running back. There's not an extra pass protector. So he's really going to be working one on one, even though uh, they go with a three the down lineman look and only a five man box, you get a fourth rusher from the second level. Um, and they'll try to account for that on the inside. So he's getting with the way he's lined up, he's getting a one-on-one with this offensive tackle and just the ability to work up field and then understand that there's a potential that they're trying to throw a screen pass. Uh, they're trying to work him back behind two blockers so he can catch the ball and get up field. But McCray reads that he knows it's potentially coming to his side. He gets his hands up, tips a pass, and 
that's one part of it. The the tip pass, the the ability to understand what's going on is just half of the story there. It also shows his motor and his ability to want to play through the echo of the whistle. And it, I know it's a cliche, but it's it's true. And, and Florida needs more guys like that. Florida needs more guys that are willing to do what McCray does. And just the understanding of, okay, I tip the ball. He looks up, sees that it's still in the air. The quarterback catches the football, all right, comes back down with it, attempts to go run. McCray then loops back around very quickly, and he obviously attempts to tackle the quarterback, but at the same time, he swipes down the football knowing that there is not a lot of security there, forces a fumble, and Mainland recovers within their own 20-yard line, and they're able to push it back in the opposite direction, ready to rock. All right, so he is not only fantastic athletically, um, but he is also a high football IQ player that understands what it takes to not just have the impact on the stat sheet, but also have the impact off of it as well. And his next play, um, which is at 349 of his senior tape specifically, uh, is it comes against Bartram Trail, which is a good team. Florida currently has um, cornerback Sharif Denson on the team. He's from Bartram Trail. Trevez Johnson, who many may remember, was also from Bartram Trail. So they have some high-talented players on – this Bears team, their quarterback, who doesn't play in when McCray did, but is usually their starter, is committed to UCF and Rally Chureo. Um, and so just having the ability to perform against guys like that, perform against the high talent is another thing that's important. So he kind of absorbs a double team here. All right. They start on the 50-yard line. He absorbs a double team, works back into the backfield. All right, but he does so in a way that builds depth and it builds an edge for this quarterback not to be able to loop around the outside when things get tough. Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen is a coverage sack. But don't get it twisted. Football's a team game. And just because the DBs did their jobs, it doesn't take away from saying that McCray did a little something. All right. Because he fought to get past, you know, to get to his initial depth on his initial pass rush attempt, was able to create five yards off the, off the snap rather quickly. Uh, I might add, with a double team to create that bracket outside. And if the quarterback wanted to move, he was going to have to step up in the pocket or go in the opposite direction. Well, he, the his teammate on the other side forced, you know, was able to build his depth, force the quarterback back up into the pocket. And then you see, once again, McCray understand just how to play football. All right. When the quarterback's forced to move up in the pocket, what do you do as a pass rusher? You'd retrace your steps, go back where you came from. If you move too deep, go back to where you came from. He does that here, highlighting his football IQ again, uh, and also shows off a little nuance with a little spin move uh, in his pass rushing arsenal. Yeah, and then he hit him with a little whoop, and then he's gone. Uh, was able to come away with the sack and produce again. This time it comes up with a sack. This time it's the play that you want to see from him over and over and over again when he gets to the University of Florida and it's what you want him to, you want to see that production in the stat sheet. But it doesn't always come in the stat sheet and he's still just as disruptive. Right, very next play on his tape, he's getting after it again. He recognizes that he's going to be chipped by the tight end off rip um, and was is able to kind of see that with how the tight end's aligned. And then the tight end doesn't do a good job of disguising that at all. You can tell just by how he's 
looking. He's like, all right, I got to help this. This tackle needs help. Um, so the tight end, I'm, I'm going to give him a little bump and then get out of there uh, to try to throw off the rhythm for McCray just long enough for Bartram to take their designed far sideline shot down the boundary. Um, just time for that to develop. And yeah, McCray says we're not having any of that. He notices it immediately, absorbs just a bit of contact from the tight end, but does a great job of avoiding the brunt of that chip um, with, with his swim move. And because of his ability to get off the line of scrimmage and work uh, so quickly off the snap, uh, he continues at his normal pace. And by the time he's swam past this tight end, he is parallel with the tackle. He is immediately even with the guy that's supposed to be keeping him in, in front of him so that he can get to the quarterback. And it might be the first time in football history that this term will be used to describe defensive line play. But if McCray's even, he's leaving. You're not recovering against him. So he basically splits this double team off rip at the snap. He he wins that rep a second in after it started. Ball snaps, he's won the rep. And so he works upfield towards the passer, creates pressure, forces an early throw by keeping his hands up in the air while also staying grounded, which is something I've also noticed from him, is that he's consistently disrupting passing lanes even when he can't make something happen in the stat sheet. He's being able to do that as well, but he disrupts that passing lane, forces an early throw, pops his teammate in the back of the helmet, incomplete pass. And it's it's one thing um, I might mention is that it's often quarterbacks can get guys like that uh, with a pump fake because they're you know those defensive ends are trying to make a play on the ball. It happens a lot more with linebackers and such, but it can also happen with defensive ends, especially at the prep level when you know that there's a good chance. If McCray wanted to, to to get up there, he could potentially come down with an interception, but he does not care. He keeps his feet on the ground, puts his arms up in the air, uses that 80-inch uh, wingspan, those, those long arms, to create a wall over this quarterback, and he just has to blindly throw one up, hoping his guy can come down with it. And by the time it gets there, it is, you know, the play hasn't developed. It pops his teammate, in the, uh, McCray's teammate in the back of the head, and it's an incomplete pass, plays over. So there's a reason why he's a newly minted five-star on 247 Sports, and I can guarantee you that this has a lot to do with it. It's another good pass rushing rep from the big fella, and he's really able to show a little bit of what he's continually progressing to get better, you know, progressing at. Something that he's continually getting better at is rushing the passer. I think he needs to add a few more uh, moves in his arsenal. I think he's still very limited there, and he's still kind of that. that's how he's growing. But I do think there is a lot to be desired and a lot of potential um, with him moving forward. On his junior tape specifically, uh, he only counted for three sacks as a junior. So most of what he shows here is his ability to work as a run stopper. But like I said earlier, that's where he wins. That's where he brings his production. He can crash down on ball carriers in a hurry. He does a good job of holding the edge when he operates from the outside. And he's honestly, uh, he lives in the backfield for mainland and that there's a reason why they're eight no and he's a big reason why so on this on the first play that i looked at uh was the 17 second mark and with being at the 17 second mark he's working as a stand-up edge rusher and immediately shows his get off immediately ball snapped and he is already moving downhill and just being able to move as quickly as he does this offensive tackle kind of is 
already try, already trying to recover before they've even made contact. He's already trying to recover. Tackle goes a bit, a little bit too far outside. McCray uses that against him, throws him back in, and you know, or he works back inside, throws him down to the outside, and then blows up this rushing lane. He gets up. Mm-mm. No, sir. Nah, man, not today. Uh, and you see once again his disruptiveness, but it's also a something else that if he was just average height in, in wingspan, he doesn't make this play. The 80 inch 6'6 frame shows here because he's still outside of this rushing lane despite the cutback across the offense of the tackle's face, but he's able to lean inside get a hand on the ball here. And he's one of those where if he gets a hand on you, it's going to be hard to get off, especially at the high school level. So he isn't only big, but he plays like it. He plays like he's 6'6", 260 plus, 270 plus, And it shows right here. And it's something you love to see. There's nothing worse than massive human beings playing like they're my size. Um, and LJ does far from that. He does not do that uh, really ever. And that's something that you really you know like to see from a pass rusher. And then the next rep comes at the 22 second mark. So first one was 17 seconds. Next one's 22 seconds. So basically right after you get another good play from him. All right. It's hard to get a good look of where he's playing. Exactly. It looks like a two tech. Cause it looks like he's playing head up on the guard. Maybe he's playing at the one with a little bit of inside uh, shadow on the guard, but no matter what, this is an interior defensive line rep. All right. Um, and they pull the, the play is designed to pull an offensive tackle away from McCray's side to try to work away from him. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's smart. That's what I would do if I was an offensive coordinator at the high school level, I would not work towards McCray. However, it doesn't really matter because he bullies the guard off the snap, makes the initial engagement. Um, and nine out of 10 times, even at the next level, if he makes first contact, he'll win that rep. So here's a clean rep, um, with this guard. He quick first step, active hands, good placement, shoots through by shedding the guard, crashes down the ball carrier, and he's trying to work away from him, as I said, but he doesn't have time. There's not a chance for the offensive tackle to even get his hands on anybody as the puller before he's bringing him down to the backfield. So just the um, ability to make a play before anything really develops as well. And if you want to sit here and just watch this entire highlight tape, because that's what huddle is, Obviously, I'm I'm seeing the best of the best from LJ McCray, but it seems like there's a lot of the best. Uh, we'll see that eight, ten more times because this is LJ McCray. This is a backfield disruptor. There's a reason he had ten tackles or fifteen tackles for loss in his first six appearances this year. I said it earlier, uh, and it's because he is so good at stopping the run. It comes so effortlessly, and that strength, length, and quickness set him up to live back there. And so does his versatility. And I just want to say, I'll add one thing. I absolutely love when high school coaches get it. Uh, coaches who want to develop their guys for the next level rather than just worried about winning. Because winning is 100% important. But doing so while also setting up your talent to be um, kind of in a position to go to the next level and play at the collegiate level is how it's done. All right, that's how you get guys to want to come play for you. That's how you get guys to you know not transfer away uh, to go to a no- neighboring high school because they have a better development record. Um, and that's just the understanding of, okay, we have a guy like McCray. It could be so easy to line him up at any one spot on the defensive line all the time and say, all right, man, go get him. Because he's a mismatch no matter where you put him. 
You want to put him inside? Great. He's going to maul down the center of the guards. You want to put him outside? Awesome. Let him work one-on-one against these tackles, build that edge, and just wreak havoc. But he's not growing there. He's not being used to his fullest effect. And so he's not he's helping your team, but it's not helping him and helping the, you know, helping kind of you build those tools elsewhere. It's like running the wing T offense. Like, yeah, it's good. It, it, it can work. But like, good luck getting recruited. I don't know if anyone's kind of played a popka, but you watch that offense and it's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's good. They, they, they go deep in the playoffs pretty consistently, but you know, it looks like they're playing in 1963. Uh, time to update the game a bit, dog. But but McCray moves so frequently. He, I don't think there's really ever where he is just at one spot in a game. And if he is, it means that they really like that look and he's been willing to play that and wants to get after it there. Um, and so I, I just think it's important to credit the the Bucks coaching staff to know that there isn't a, isn't a role on that defensive line that McCray isn't familiar with and doesn't know how to play. And it's also a credit to his dad, uh, Lawal McCray Sr. Yes, LJ stands for Lawal Jr., uh, fun fact. And uh, his dad is a coach at Bethune-Cookman. And I think just having that as well as a, a coaching staff that understands you can move him around and utilize his versatility and his mismatch ability to not just help you but help him is so important for his growth and really just the growth of any high school athlete as they look to move from high school to college. So that doesn't only aid him now, but it aids him when he steps on foot on campus at Florida. And I think that they will try to throw him in several packages where he's playing in a different spot early in his career because of his understanding of having everything else or doing everything else. Uh, I think the biggest thing missing from a crazy game right now is his arsenal as a pass rusher. I think he is sometimes one dimensional relies on his power strength, just his understanding of, um, kind of working against some of the guys that he's working against. Cause it, while it might be decent talent, it's not sec level talent all the time and it's never going to be. So right now it's a lot of bull rush overpowering. Uh, you'll occasionally see, like I showed you a swim move or a, a spin move where he's working back up into the pocket, but a lot of, you know, instinctual plays that aren't necessarily replicated uh, at a consistent basis to get after the quarterback or a ball carrier um, and I think it's just him using that specifically to allow him to get after the passer. So you want to see kind of more things thrown into that arsenal. But obviously, as he climbs the ranks to the collegiate level and eventually the pros, um, he's going to be able to implement more of that into his game. I think his length and strength gives him the ability to add a good stab and swipe to his arsenal early before he starts building that toolkit of tricks to dip into throughout his career. So overall, just to sum it up, um, I think McCray is a towering, lengthy, run-stopping, versatile defensive lineman with a quick first step, evident power at the point of attack, nuanced footwork, strong football IQ, and growing ability as a pass rusher. All right. And with that, he is a five-star. And he is a bona fide five-star. He is a deserving five. He projects to play the F-end role at the collegiate level in Florida's defense. Um if you don't know what that looks like, that's the Tyreek Sapp, the Kelby Collins. Um, it was going to be Justice Boone before the year started, uh, and he got hurt. So those are the guys that are important to uh, kind of look at and see how you know LJ will project his role in this upcoming, you know, when he arrives at Florida. Um, because 
it maximizes his athleticism and gives him the ability to not just, you know, be one dimensional, but use the, the, like I said, the size length and versatility that he, he imposes. Uh, and I forgot, if I forgot to mention, which I did, this man doubles as a tight end. All right. Uh, or at least he did at one time. I uh, still ran it with his seven on seven team for his school uh, at the position this summer. And so it seems like a good sign when someone of his stature is out there catching passes for you. Um, you it's, it's the ability to move is something SEC teams want to see uh, in the modern game. And overall, yeah, McCray got it. McCray got them tools. He, he has the ability to do what a lot of guys are unable to do. Um, and they pair that with Jamonte Waller, who's a five-star Jack edge rusher, uh, freakish get off and speed uh, as a pass rusher. Uh, we've, we've likened him to Yannick Ngakwe over at allgators.com. Uh, Morris Williams, who y'all should know by now is my gym in this 2024 class. I think he carves his way uh, into a role immediately upon his arrival at UF. I think he's going to be uh, LJ's counterpart at that FN spot, and they're both going to be very impactful for this Florida team. Uh, if Florida can fend off other programs that are still pursuing him, Ohio State being the most notable, he was in Columbus this past weekend for Florida's or the Buckeyes bout against Penn State. But I love, love, love Williams's take. Kendall Jackson, a local defensive end prospect from Buholtz, uh, who's like can likely play inside if needed, but it seems as if he'll project outside as well. And then Nasir Jackson, who's the only surefire interior defensive line guy, I think he'll likely occupy that three tech role for Florida, especially if he, if the Florida Gators are able to get another defensive lineman in, they're still trying to kind of re recruit um, six foot five, 360 pound trenchman, Makai Barrow back into the fold. Um, and I'll just say one thing, never say never folks, never say never. Uh, he seemed as if he was still very interested in the university of Florida, just wanted to take a step back and reevaluate his interest. So I think the Gators have built a little something up front um, in this class, versatile, firm defensive line class they got going there. And uh, it's a testament to the work Sean Spencer and Mike Peterson have put in on the trail. I think uh, this cannot get understated that a five-star prospect you plucked away from your rivals um, to add to the number three recruiting class in the nation is huge. And I tweeted it out yesterday. This is just another example of how, good Billy Napier and co have been and how good they've been able to recruit since they arrived on campus. If you're worried about other parts of their approach or their operation, that's fine. I have some concerns, but golly, they've got some dudes ready to roll into this program uh, after this year. And that's a testament to their talent acquisition and recruiting building process. They got some hoopers, man. And I'll, I'll tell you again, they got some hoopers. So this roster is about to come much more talented and much deeper, very, very fast. And I don't think they're done yet. They're going to continue looking at guys like Jordan Seaton, Xavier Mincy, who is McCray's teammate at Mainland. And you also, like I said, Makai Barrow, um, who's still firmly in that mix despite his decommitment. So you have some flip candidates and Jameer Grimsley, who's committed to Alabama, Charles Lester, who's currently committed to Florida State. Uh, it's been a more concerted effort in that uh, area for Florida since really the last few weeks. Um, they've started to kind of, target him harder. And ultimately I think that Florida state's the one that's able to hold on there, but nothing's set in stone in, in the current age of uh, high school recruiting. And then obviously you'll always have room for Jeremiah Smith, but 
after watching what Marvin Harrison Jr. did on Saturday, there ain't no way I would – I personally would leave uh, Ohio State if I was a wide receiver right now. There's no decision um, that I would have to make in terms of where I wanted to go as a wide receiver if I had a litany of offers at my disposal because Columbus is the right pick. And I, I don't think there's much more needed to say on that. I know there's a you know some there's sometimes some people that say, hey, well, there's so many guys going there. You know, he might get lost in the shuffle. Jeremiah Smith is the best wide receiver prospect we've seen since Julio Jones. He could go anywhere in the country, and he would be wide receiver one almost immediately. Ohio State, he'll have some competition, but I think that ultimately only makes him better. So it's a. You know, Florida is in a trending in a great direction right now. I think, like I said, LJ McCray is he's the real deal. And I think uh, I hope I was able to show that even though I wasn't able to physically show it um, on, you know, or digitally show it uh, on the show today as I originally planned. Uh, I still hope you all enjoyed this content and hopefully I will eventually be able to have uh, the capacity to do some of these film breakdowns with you all. Cause I really enjoy them. So thank you watch for watching another episode of Carol's cadence. I'll have another episode out on Wednesday, breaking down the Gators performance from last week against South Carolina before providing a mid season report card for this Gators squad and outlining the rest of the campaign. Um, I just want to give a disclaimer right now. It's probably going to be tough sledding the rest of the way, but I think there are some pieces that are starting to come on that should provide just a little bit of optimism that might've not been there had they lost to South Carolina in week seven. So like this video, subscribe to the channel, and I will see y'all again on Wednesday. I'm Brandon Carroll signing off from Carroll's Cadence.